I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, what do you got there? This is the new Ping G430 Max 10K driver. It's next level. I'll tell you, it's so impressive. We all know that Ping help you play your best. I've been using them for years. I wouldn't use anything else. In fact... This new driver, it's Ping's straightest and highest moment of impact driver ever. Holy moly. So on the course, what's that going to mean? How's it going to help golfers? Well, to put it simply, it means people are going to be hitting longer, straighter, and they're going to absolutely crack their drives off the tee. I could talk about it all day. It's that good. But the best thing to do if you want to check out how impressive Ping's new G430 Max 10K driver is, Just book in with your local golf shop or professional to arrange a ping club fitting and I'll see you out there with my ping gear. It's week eight of the golfing calendar. Now. Now. A couple of tour pros with CVs as long as the Nullarbor Links golf course. One of them is the only guy to ever beat Tiger Woods twice in match play. The other, well, it's Mark Allen. This is Talk Birdie to Me with Nico Hearn and Mark Allen. Can't believe we're doing our second episode from the Australian Golf Headquarters, but here we are. Nick, nice to see you. Always a pleasure, Mark. Uh, a bit happening this week. I tell you, we picked the two best weeks imaginable to start the podcast last week and this week, but still for me, Tiger Woods and what has happened uh, this week is just huge. Three birdies to make the cut, huge. Tampon gate, huge. <laughs> the fact that he's not wearing Nike shoes to me, is huge. I don't want to talk about that in a tick. How can he be paid somewhere in the scope of $100 million a year to wear Nike and you're wearing foot joy shoes? I want to ask that question of you a little bit later. Okay. But is John Rahm the number one player in the world yet or oh, not? He just made it, actually. He just took over Scotty Scheffler. I mean, <laughs> and, you know, his form's been a bit average of late. He's only won five of the last yeah. ten. I mean, you need a bit of a better strike rate than that, <laughs> I reckon. But it's scary if you look at the numbers how good this guy is. There's a Funnily enough, there's a podcast in the US called No Laying Up. They're really good guys, and they, and they call him the buoy. The, the buoy. buoy. Because, what? well, you can't sink him. He yeah. just keeps popping back up. <laughs> <laughs> well, how about that putt he made? What, the 15th, oh. is it? Or the whatever the par three was. 14. Just mm. over the back. He's on the collar of the green. And honestly, that thing would have gone into a thimble. Yeah. I mean, that was just unbelievable. And it was almost the, the first little dagger that he stuck into Max Homer, I guess you could say. It was a bit of a neck and neck the whole mm. final day. Um, Ram had comfortable lead, I guess, a couple of shots up, and then it all sort of turned at 10, hmm. which, funnily enough, that 10th hole at Riviera, the short par four, yeah. that might be involved a little bit later in the show. Well, but you've got a top five on the best short I'd... par fours you've ever played. Yeah. Is that right? Or I just do. short holes? Uh, short par fours. Right, short so that's par a little fours. later. Yeah, no, absolutely. And it sort of turned on its head there, and then all of a sudden... 
Homer had the lead for a bit and then it went back and back, back and forth mm. and then Ram just, the putter ran hot the last few holes and it was incredible. Why is that 10th hole so good? John Ram bogeyed it and it was, it looked like it could have been a turning point. Why, why is it so tough? I mean, I saw this thing on Twitter at the start of the week and it showed exactly where everyone was hitting their drives yeah. for the last 20 years and there was a lot of people laying up 20 years ago. <laughs> Nobody. And I mean nobody is lying up on that hole anymore. Why is it such a good par four? Well, the interesting thing about that stat is I think technology's played a big part about it. Back in 20, 30 years ago, quite yep. a lot of the field couldn't get there, so you had to lay up. Balls were a little softer. They spun a bit more yep. too, so you could control that second shot. But it's all about that green. It's angled about 45 degrees away from it, from front left mm. to back right. And I would say the back half of that, it's probably six paces across. Is, I mean, it, the seven small, paces is across. it the smallest green that you've ever played? I've never been there. I've never played this golf course. But on the TV, it looks like it's the most narrow green that I've ever seen in the world. It, it, it's right up there. It's probably the most narrow. It's actually pretty similar to 12 at Augusta through the middle of 12 at Augusta. Through the middle of through 12. Through the middle of 12. Six steps. But yeah, exactly. Well, yeah. that's what it's like for the back half of that green at Riviera. And the other thing is it's like an upside-down saucer. It, it sort of feeds yeah. away both ways. Uh, Scott Piercy, I watched him go bunker to bunker to bunker about three or four times, and he almost lost the plot on that hole. So if you hit four or five on off the tee... Why, that, it's obviously the, not the thing to do anymore, especially on the no, Sunday. It's just so, so hard. You've just got to land it in a what a two meter two meter space. When the greens are softer, uh, you can do that, and you you lay it back. You can hit the wedge on. I used to do that a bit, and depending on where the pin was, mm. would depend on my strategy. So uh, you know, for that back right pin, I always found laying back or sort of getting it as far left as you possibly can was the key. Without going into the trees on the left was a good angle. One thing all the players were saying, and I really want to get your opinion. They're saying it's the fairest test in golf. This R golf course, Riviera. Riviera. Yeah, the fairest test. It's not tricked up. It's It tests the players the most without them tricking up the course <laughs> Augusta style or, you know, St Andrews style or, or, or whatever it might be. So 15 under or 16 under was the winning score. Is that right? Mm. 17 under, something like that. But they're saying universal respect of the golf club. Do, mm. do you see it that way? Uh, I'm going to have a different opinion because I never played well there. I, hate, I hated the place. <laughs> no, it was just a very difficult golf course for me because you got the Kaikuyu fairways. It was soft, so you didn't get much run. And the greens were quite firm and they had these upside-down sources a lot of the time. So I was hitting so long clubs hitting in, in and I couldn't in? hold the greens. I mean, the fourth hole, the short part, is it the fourth? The, the Not the short, the very, very long par three. 245 which, yards, which I saw it. Ben Hogan, there's a little plaque there. He calls it the best par three oh, in America. What would he know? I mean... Uh, you Come on. Trust me. This is not a good <laughs> hole. It's not a good hole. You land it on the green, you go long, you land it short and it stops. It's crazy. So I saw, I saw John Rahm hit, hit – I saw he's in the bag this week. So the longest iron that he's got in his bag was a four iron. Four iron. Mm. And he hit an iron. And he hit it as hard as he possibly could. It landed six foot on the front edge and rolled the length of the green. So God knows what – anybody else, like a mere mortal, has to do. I mean, I'd be cutting up a three-wood. I think that hole is – I mean, I'd love to look up the stats. It would be the lowest percentage of greens in regulation on tour, I reckon, yeah. that particular hole right there. Right, So when you saw the pictures of Tampon Gate, <laughs> when, when you saw the pictures of oh. Tampon Gate, what was going through your mind? I mean, when I saw it, I thought – what the hell are you doing carrying a tampon, one? Well, that's the first thing I thought. Yeah, two, did you think you were going to get away with it when every camera on the planet was focused on you? Yeah, he's he's always had that, uh, I guess, that sense of humour of a 
14 year old yeah, kid type yeah, thing, you know, yeah. a teenager basically. And it was, you know, it's his first event back. I mean, just do the right thing. And he's I know, the host. He's the host. <laughs> he's, he's the host of the event. Setting a great example. I know it's a joke and I get it. You know, it's boys yeah. being boys and all that sort of stuff. But I mean, that do was it on just, Tuesday. You know, he has that gutterish, you know, yeah, in, in a, the gutter type thing. He's One a of mad the boys. swearer. Yeah. I, I know. Oh, he, he's a mad, like the times, that, and you, no one believes this, but I used to warm up next week. When he played in Australia, for whatever reason, I was either hitting before him or right after his group. So, we're always down there and, you know, I was always curious. So if I saw him there, I'd go down and I want to practice next to Tiger Woods. And my God, what was coming out of his mouth, honestly, every single swear word, you know, and one particular one that is the baddie, that was the big one. I mean, that was every second sentence. Mm. So he's got that in him. We know that. Oh, but my God. A lot of the top players do, don't worry. They let it out as well. Yeah. So uh, if you don't know why it was slipped, I mean, let's let's talk about his game while we've got the opportunity. He was hitting it past JT and Rory McIlroy. The guy can hardly walk. And he's hitting it past them yeah, with a tiny little short swing. It doesn't look like the shaft lines are where they, he wants them to be. And he was still... The ball was coming out with 180 miles per hour ball speed. I heard, yeah, he was ripping it. And it, to be honest, it doesn't surprise me because he works so hard in the gym and it was it must have been all upper body strength for yeah. how he was getting it out there because obviously the lower body's taken a bit of a pounding over the last several years. So um, his tee to green play was exceptional as per usual. It was a little bit rusty in places and the putter didn't work in some occasion, occasions, but great to see him back out playing. Can I tell you this? I picked it up, so I had to leave uh, when this round was happening, but I looked at it and he was past the cut line. So the cut line was even par or one under or whatever it was when I saw that and he was over par and he had losers limp going. You know, he was, he was limping badly. And then I've seen the last six holes when he started the fire of the last three holes. That limp disappeared so quickly mm. when he started making birdies. And then, you know as well as anybody, the walk from 18 up to the clubhouse is <laughs> as steep as you've ever seen. Brutal. He was gliding up that hill. Really? So I don't know what he was doing limping <laughs> at 10, 11 and 12, but that disappeared once he started playing good. It's funny what birdies will do to yeah, you, Yeah, right? that it's is just, exactly uh, right. Yeah, all of a sudden the injuries go and then when you start making bogeys, everything hurts. Okay, let's talk about the foot joys. Now, seriously, I wear foot joys. They're the best golf shoe in the world. I really love them and I've always loved them. You know, for, ever since I was a kid, the foot joy, what do we used to call them? Classics with the spikes and the leather sole. Mm. You get them wet and they weigh a ton. They weigh it. <laughs> that's exactly right. But they were always the best golf shoes you could see. I, I remember. I, I remember being a little kid. I was fifteen years old, and this guy called Darren Cole, who ends up oh, being one of the good Coley. coaches. Mm. Darren Cole came back from Mississippi State, and he had a pair of Foot Joys. They were just a saddle, but it was red, shiny leather saddle. Yeah. So, what do you call it? It was the best. Thing. I can remember just looking at those shoes with drool coming out of my <laughs> mouth, going, "Oh my god, look at these things!" You know, I had the nibbling, um, you know, the worst looking shoes you've ever seen with the with the water flap on the top. Of them, and it was a this guy. So they've always been the best. Tiger used to always wear them too. You can't tell me that Nike can't make him a pair of shoes that support what's going on at the moment. Mm. I reckon he's just wearing them because he likes the look. 
of the new icons. And I really mean that. And that is the biggest slap in the face of all time to, to Nike. Yeah, last year I think he came out and said, well, he has a lot of mobility issues with his leg and he needs stability in his feet and all this. So you, I, I, I know. Yeah. <laughs> and you think, well, okay, that's the wake-up call for Nike to obviously design in something appropriate. But that was almost a year ago. And then you figured – yeah. This tournament, surely you'll have Nikes on, but no, you had the foot joys. So I can't answer that question why, but you're probably right. He just he just prefers the foot joys. I reckon he just prefers the foot mm. joys. And it's he's probably got a as contract that. where he can do whatever he wants. Jason Day not looking too bad. Made a few. I think he made six birdies and six bogeys on round three. In in round mm. three. Yeah, so he's close to another top 10, I believe. So. Yeah, somewhere like it. But uh, he's he's getting closer. Mm. He's playing good golf. I mean, another Nike. He's, he, he's wearing the Nike shoes, <laughs> I'm pretty sure. Anyway, I didn't check his his feet out all week, actually. But uh, he's on a good run, and I think he's close. I think he's close to maybe putting up a big a big W. Now, I know this is true, that uh, a couple uh, letters have been written to Netflix coming straight from us because they released their show uh, when we released our podcast. So <laughs> I, I thought that was dirty poor oh, to uh, begin with. Timing. I yeah. thought that was poor. But I know I've watched three and I know you've watched the whole lot of them. I did it all in like a day. I what? thought it came out and I had nothing to do that. I was doing stuff around the house yeah. and uh, I watched the first one. It was JT, Spieth and yeah. all this. And yeah. I thought, yeah, okay, it's not too bad. And then they had a maybe a Brooks Kepka yeah, one. Brooks. That's probably, that one and the Joel Damon episode are probably the two best episodes. And the funny thing is, you know, Brooks, we all heard about him going to live and, and, and what happened before it. Yeah. He and, and his image has always been that macho, I don't care, you know, yeah. I don't really practice all this sort of stuff. But he, he, he basically was so vulnerable through that episode. It was, it was actually kind of eye-opening yeah. to see the struggles he was going through. And we've all been there where you go, I have no clue if I can hit a good golf shot again as a professional yeah. golfer. That happens once in a while. And then you have times where you think, I'm, I'm never going to hit another bad shot. This is yeah. so easy, you know. And he's obviously seen both ends of the spectrum and he spoke about Scheffler and how he yeah. wasn't thinking about anything as the number one player in the world. I want to get back to that yeah. sort of mindset. The disappointing thing was from the Netflix perspective as was they never really went deep on when they turned. You know, they went from PGA Tour to live. And when I'm saying turn, I mean, they, they went across went to the across other side, the lead, yeah. if you, I guess you could say. Yeah. So from the, the whole series as a... I guess myself, I understand what goes inside, what happens inside the locker room on the golf course. I know a lot of those yeah, you guys. Get it. I have a different perspective. So for me, it wasldn't all the hype that obviously what, what, what everyone were you, was. What were you wanting to see? I what what to did you see want a to bit see? More drama. I mean, <laughs> you saw Poulter throw the clubs in the yeah, locker I love room, that. but. I reckon he's turned around going, is the camera there? Is the camera there? Yeah, and then okay. through it, you know what I mean? <laughs> so that was all a bit staged for me and, um, you know, missing cuts and getting on private jets. I mean, oh, the poor guys, how do they live with themselves, yeah. <laughs> you know? <laughs> so that's your perspective. Yeah. I never got to the PGA Tour. I always okay. wanted to, but I never got there. And I was just – I loved it. Did you? I, I really thought – it was brilliant. I, I, the first one with JT and Spieth and just their back and forth, fourteen-year-old style, having you know having a crack at each other and practice rounds and betting here and going and pick the card Cutting off cards, the top of the yeah. thing and I'll give you a thousand bucks, all that sort of stuff. I can take or leave it, mm -hmm. but I, I got lost in watching the wealth that oh. they have accumulated in a short period of time. Like neither of them are thirty yet. Are they? JT, no. Spieth, they're not 30 yet. And just their lifestyle, I couldn't wait to see the next one. So the next one comes, it's Brooks, Brooks Kepka. 
And, of course, he's got the actress wife. <laughs> and he's talking to the actress wife about his how, how bad things are going for him at the moment. And he's, you know, all he's thinking about is Scheffler, Scheffler, Scheffler. And the wife is showing him these, you know, this is my over-bikini dress that I'm taking and, you know. He's sitting I, on a fluffy swing as yeah, well. <laughs> sitting, on, sitting on the fluffy swing out the back. His house. Now, you go to the best suburb in any city in Australia and pick the best house. Brooks Kepka is living in it. Yeah. So just looking at the house was was just unbelievable. The the, the pool out the back with the sunken oh, yeah. the sunken lounges or sunken yeah. lounge Infinity next pool. to a pool. Mm. It was, was impressive. Unbelievable. The other thing I think if you do watch it, you, you must think to yourself, does every golfer live in Jupiter, Florida? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, every you know, every yeah. episode they're cutting back to Jupiter. And she's sitting there and she's showing him, you know, the the uh, whatever it is that oh this is the one which will go over the bikini and he's all and he's kinda going, Oh yeah, oh no and all he's thinking to himself is why can't I fix my goddamn golf <laughs> swing? <laughs> <laughs> putt like Scheffler. Why can't I putt like Scheffler? That, that fascinated me. And then to see Ian Poulter. So Ian Poulter, I wanted to see more decision-making from going to the PGA Tour to live. That's the thing that I, I reckon they miss. So, so far I've only seen episode you, one, two, okay, and three. Yeah. Well, they, they never show it all the way through. Well, at the end they're asking, you know, they asked uh, Kepka, are you going to live? And he wouldn't say anything. He just smiled. Gave a bit of a look. And then the same thing happened with Poulter. So I'm really hoping in episode four onwards – I want to get into the nitty-gritty of why they went. Now, Poulter, it seemed, was, you know, he couldn't win a match uh, <laughs> in the match play. He was, didn't get into the Masters. Yeah. Uh, he was playing poor golf, clearly on the wrong side of the bell curve in his career. If he's offered $20 million a year for four years to go to live, you've got to go. Totally understand. You've got to go. Yep. Absolutely got to go. Kepka, I couldn't get over. You know, he was at that tipping point where he was thinking, I don't know if my game is, is any good anymore. Yeah. I'm not sure if I can compete against these guys. Yeah, that's right. But this is Brooks Kepka, the toughest dude, you know, wearing spikes, soft spikes. Apparently he's not that tough he's the not that, he spoke. He, he didn't no. seem that tough. No. So, so that was really, really interesting to me, just the way he handled it and the, the amount of practice and the amount of – the amount of technical stuff, the technical stuff that he was doing on the carpet at home while his wife, you know, is showing him dresses and what <laughs> they're going to do in the holiday, I just could what, – what fantasy world are they living in? And then mm. they'd show him putting and he just kept on missing putts after putt after putt and his, you know, hands were in the air, all this sort of stuff. Yeah. I, I really thought that access was brilliant. And it showed you the turmoil. It's turmoil, even though he's won four majors in three in a three year stretch at one stage. That no matter what level golfer you are at, you're always thinking about your game. Oh. And when you're not think when things aren't going well, you just don't think it's ever, ever, ever going to come gonna back. Get better. So you haven't seen the Damon episode, right? The Joel no. Damon. Okay. Which, which one's I'm, that? I'm not going to. I don't know. It's in the middle there somewhere. Right. I'm not going to spoil it for you. I probably spoiled a couple of things already, <laughs> given you my opinion. But watch that one. I really like it. And just his self deprecation is. Brilliant. Yeah, okay. <laughs> and the other the other thing, my other takeout from episode three, Ian Poulter has more pants than any oh. other human in the history of the world. <laughs> of the world. I scrolled through it because I knew what was coming. There were so <laughs> many pants and I, I kept fast forwarding and it would never end. <laughs> <laughs> well, that'll do us. Uh, we're going to walk off this ninth tee. We're going to come back on the 10th where after we get our tee shots there. Your top five are the best short par fours in the whole world and also – our first lot of feedback on the program. So we got feedback. (laughs) I'm not not sure it's going to be mean tweets. (laughs) Not not, not at this stage, but we're not far off. So that's coming up next. 
I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, Nick, I know you've heard of the Watch My Numbers app. It is brand new and it is going to dominate the golf app scene for a long, long time. If you want to improve your game, you need to know the areas you're doing well in and where you need to improve. And this app will tell you exactly that, Nick. Yeah, you're spot on, Mark. It's the most powerful database golf app in the world, and it helps analyze and improve your game like never before because it uses real-time data from your rounds and highlights the areas of your game that you want to look at. You get actionable and usable info in minutes, not hours. That's really important. It's easy to use. You can set up your profile very quickly. I've done mine. And start accessing data and subscriber-only content straight away. Hmm. Who's it aimed at? Well, it's aimed at people who want to improve their game. It's for all levels of every golfer out there, particularly powerful if you're a mid to low handicapper. But it's great for the elite level and pros as well. So elite and pros as well. I like that. Watch my numbers. Download it from the App Store and turn your bogeys in the birdies. You're listening to Nick O'Hearn and Mark Allen. This is Talk Birdie to Me. Come on, pull the driver out. Let's get going. Tenth hole coming up. Now, I know we're talking about top fives, but we've missed something, mm. and we we, we we planned for it to be at the, at the start of the program, but we just kept on going about other stuff. <laughs> but all the live signings, let's go through it, because live golf starts this week. It does. Yeah, there's been uh, – Give us some been? names. Okay. Uh, we're going to go with – an interesting one was uh, Thomas Peters, first off the bat, number 34 in the world. Didn't get into Riviera, yeah. and he tweeted about tweeted it. Tweeted about it. <laughs> now, there is – uh, exemption categories and all that to get into this elevated event. One of them being uh, if you played a Ryder Cup, and funnily enough, now that he's signed for Liv, he will probably never play a Ryder Cup, so he's not going to be playing just... any more Rivieras or anything. Uh, so he's probably the best one. Can I give you, like, there's five levels of surprise. That's a level four surprise for me that Thomas Peters has pulled the trigger on Liv. Mm. I would have thought he'd hung. He's a young bloke, hits it unbelievable. I reckon he could have won a major first and then pulled that trigger. Easily could have won major, yeah. I reckon. Yeah, so he's got le- the game. level four surprise okay. that he's pulled that trigger. Well, that's interesting. All right. And then there's Brendan Steele. I don't know what level that would be. Level one. Okay, yeah. No surprise. He, he actually said a little uh, last year, well, if you do go to live the, to the players that you know were going, don't expect to come back on our tour. Yeah. So he won't be expecting <laughs> to come back to the PGA <laughs> tour anytime soon. Uh, Danny Lee, the New Zealander. Level one surprise. Not, not a surprise there. Yeah, uh, and then if you've watched the Netflix series, no surprise here, Mito Pereira and Sebastian Munoz. Yeah. Because they're good mates with Joachim Neiman and Carlos Ortiz who are already on the live tour. So I think they're combining for their own little team. team. Might be Team Talk, I think. Team I Talk. Team Talk. T-O-R-Q-U-E. Like talk is in a talk of a shaft. And the other news, which might be a talk of a shaft in a different sense, is Jed Morgan is replacing Wade Ormsby on the Ripper team, which is the Aussie team. So what happens, um, I, I really like Wade Ornsby. He's mm, a good bloke, bloke and a good player and uh, I want to see him do well in golf. What happens to him now? I have absolutely no idea, Mark. Uh, I don't know what that, happens to these players that 
yeah, get okay. pushed out. I, I had a, I had one role to find out this week about where the Australian Open's played. My role next week will be to find out about Wade Ormsby. Perfect. So that, that's my job. Uh, just before we go to your top five of the greatest ever short par fours that you've ever played, um, I can tell you this. They're announcing it next week. So I know which courses, <laughs> okay, I know which courses the Australian Open will be played on. I'll, I'll happily say one of them's the Australian because that won't be a surprise to anybody, but just not the surprise that the other one's on the course where I had my best ever finish in the Australian Open. Oh, right. well so, done. So if you really need to know... You're going to have to do some digging. Go and look that up one way or another. What did you finish about, 30th? I or? don't want to spoil <laughs> the surprise because we are doing the show. <laughs> We're doing the show from Australian Golf Headquarters and I don't want to step on their toes. Oh, but okay. So... so You'll find out next week, but again, uh, the Australian and, and where I had and my best finish. Top 10, was it? Sixth. Oh, well done. Sixth. Okay. But uh, Nick, it was the greatest field ever assembled in Australia. <laughs> <laughs> you, should, you should have seen the field at this Australian oh, Open, mate. It was it like was, a major, wasn't oh, it? It felt yeah. like a... It felt, <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, can we get some special music, please? Nick O'Hearn's top five. Okay, yes, the top five this week of some of the best short par fours that I have played. The reason we're doing it is obviously because of Riviera, yes. the 10th hole. That may or may not be in the list. I can tell you it will be, but anyway. <laughs> so this is a controversial one starting at number five. Thank this you. is five. Thank okay, Thank you. number 10 at the Belfry. Oh, that's where Seve knocked it on. Seve knocked it on yes. in one of the Ryder Cups. I used to play the Benson and Hedges International there. A lot of people going, really? that? But it, I loved the hole. It was great. It was either a seven-iron wedge yeah. or you had to try and hit this left-to-right shape for me, a draw through the trees. There was a creek running in front of it. I love the hole. It's just a lot of fun, uh, a lot of fun. If you want to see what we're talking about, Google Seve. 10th at the Belfry, and you'll see one of the most amazing swings, and yep. he knocks it on with an old wooden driver. Big it high is, cut through It the is trees. so good. Only the bold dare take out the wood and go for it. In 1978, the bold Ballesteros tried it and made it. Have a look Bye. at the swing, yeah. Nick. That follow-through. Oh, my gosh. Look at the trees he's got to go around and through. And... There's a bit of TPC sawgrass. Because <laughs> <laughs> they've got the railway sleepers at the front of the green. Oh, what a golf shot. Unbelievable. Imagine playing him. You're in the Ryder Cup and he pulls out driver and does that. Must have been in one of the four-ball matches, I reckon. Yeah. He would have been with uh, Jose Maria <laughs> Olathabal, no doubt. So, number four. Number four is a fan favourite of locals here in Australia, I would imagine. Uh, number 15 at Victoria Golf Club. I would I have been disappointed if you didn't find it, room for this. Yeah, it, it's in there. Now, the order of this is, you know... Subjective because it's, it's just an opinion. It's like my favourite red wines. You know, it's just an no, opinion. Mate, no, I, I, I promise you, we'll get feedback on our socials, money. So yeah, I'm get, sure just we get will. Ready. Just right, get number ready. three is ten at Riviera that we just saw. You got it at number three. Got it at number three. It's controversial hole. I loved it. Uh, never made double there, which was always fun. <laughs> made a couple of bogeys, but uh, made, made the old birdie. I don't think he ever made eagle though. But I just All loved right. the hole. It's a All lot right. of fun. Number two. Uh, this could have three on the list, but I'm only going to go with one. What do you mean three? Could have three of their holes oh, yeah, on the okay. list. The old course, St. Andrews, number 12. Great number 12. short par four. Is it drivable? Yes, yeah, drivable. It is. I know yeah, even for me, downwind. <laughs> 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 has to be downwind, though. I can get there. There's a, it's just a great, great hole. If you ever go down that hole at night, you'll you'll fall into bunkers without even knowing it because they just, they're, just, they're just hidden, basically. Is that one of the crisscross holes? Um, or is it next to the no, crisscross hole? It's yeah, next okay. to, next to, yeah, yeah, next to uh, eleven green. And number, number one, one, which is kind of probably no surprise, my favourite short roll. par four in the world happens to be here in Australia, number ten west at Royal Melbourne. Great hole. 
right yes. hole. Just it perfect is. for a high left, right, high uh, fade for a left-hander. Love really? It. Oh, yeah. So where's it. your aiming point? A lot of people would know 10 west at yeah. Royal Melbourne. My aiming point was always just over the right-hand edge of the deepest bunker in yes. the world. Yeah, and then what I just cut it? it from there. And yeah. if I hit it straight, I'm not long enough to get into those yeah. tea trees past there, but if I cut it just perfectly over there, get around the front edge for me. Well, were you, are you a metres or yards man? It was well, two, I metres. even remember it was 227 yards oh, really? to, carry, to carry the bunker. To carry Ooh. that little bit of it. Gosh, yeah. you do know. Yeah. I, they might have lengthened it since then. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Would that top five change if you were a right-hander versus a lefty? That you are. No, I don't think so. Um, I mean, obviously the high fade is a nice, easier shot to hit with a bit more control. But then I've got Belfry on where we've got to hit a big swinging draw. So, but that's at number five as well. Honorable honorable mentions, I will say, yeah. is uh, fifteen at TPC Highlands where they have mm. the uh, the Hartford tournament, and also seventeen at Scottsdale. Uh, 17 at Scottsdale where they just had the Waste Phoenix Management Open. So, mm. yeah, but lefty righty, nah, no change. Okay, uh, you ready for some feedback uh, from our socials? These are tweets to the editor. Okay, as long as they're good. <laughs> <laughs> so a lot of the uh, feedback, Nick, was based on the headline, should live, gol- should live golfers be allowed back on the PGA Tour? That was one of the headlines. Some people listened to it and some people didn't listen to it. So... Um, one, this one's from Andrew Kirby. Andrew Kirby, who I know very, very well, used to be the captain of Royal Melbourne. He said this. Now, I want you to get your view. I'd say in a few years there will be trades between the two tour leagues and a Super Bowl-style live versus PGA Tour event. Can you see that happening? No, not going to happen. Yeah, I don't think it's going to happen That's pretty uh, simple for me because the PGA Tour has no incentive at the moment to uh, to deal with live. Question 1A, and this is on behalf of Andrew Kirby. Okay. Would you watch a live versus PGA Tour Ryder Cup style event? I'll, yeah, probably I'm, I'm would in. actually. Yeah, I'm I in. probably would. <laughs> I, I am definitely. Oh, in. Do you think there'd be some sledging going? Oh my mm. god. It would be enormous. It would be interesting. Uh, one of the things that we put up uh, in our podcast cast last week was we, we both preferred the four-round test versus a three-round test. Now, some people got it mixed up saying that we were talking about fourth-round pressure, which we weren't. We were just talking about more that, you know, you're more likely to throw in one bad round a yeah. week if there's four rounds. So John Conrad has written in, it's not the fourth round that tests the players metal. It's the final round that does. Live events have a final round, just like a lot of tournaments do. Not sure why Nick finds a shotgun start more conflicting than he can resolve. (laughs) All players on the course, great for viewers. You want to respond? Mm, That is interesting. Well, the shotgun start is just, uh, it's just not in my wheelhouse. I want the, you know, coming up the final green, there's something about playing a tournament and you play that final hole in front of all the gallery. You've just gone through hell for about four and a half, five hours. (laughs) Or maybe it was the best day of your life. I don't know. But you finish in style. You don't want to finish out on the fourth hole. You know, and then you you know what the worst thing is? You've got to walk all the way back in. (laughs) No, it's a nightmare. (laughs) No, thank you. You want to finish where the grandstands are. Absolutely. So if you've shot a 64, you can look up in the crowd. Everyone knows you shot a 64. They give you a clap and you feel nice. Yeah, beautiful. One more from C more cup. I'm sure that's his name. Do you also feel the same way about match play at events, lads? After all, it's not a true test if it's not over 72 holes. Yeah. Oh, for sure. That's all you know. They've only got really one, haven't they? Yeah, that's right. Except for the team events in the Presidents and Ryder Cups. And by the way, I love the way the PGA Tour are doing the 
uh, World Match Play. The it used to be called the Accenture World Match Play. Now it's in Austin, Texas. They have a World so, Cup style. Do you like that? Do you? I, well, See, I, I like agree, it. I don't agree with that. Okay, so why is that? So I'll, I'll tell you why I like okay. it. Okay, because if Tiger Woods is playing, mm-hmm. you get to see him play for at least three days, and then, <laughs> and then so if he gets, yeah. it's something like Nico Hearn yeah. beats him in the first <laughs> round, right? Here we Nico, go. If there Nico Hearn beats him in the first uh, round, you've ruined it for everybody. <laughs> Everyone wants to see Tiger, uh, so I don't mind uh, that. I tell you, the most popular I've ever been <laughs> in the locker room after beating Tiger Woods the second time was when I walked back in the locker room and everyone's gone. Thank you. (laughs) 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 Right, uh, it is time for the tournament report. I like this because I want to know what the Australians Mm. are doing, if there's ever been some good results. What have you got for us, Dick? Uh, We've got a few results. Obviously, Jason Day did very well over in Riviera, but John Rahm beat uh, Homer down the stretch. We all know that. On the Ladies European Tour, they had the Aramco Saudi Lays International. Anyone get Not an Australian, but a New Zealander one, Lydia Ko. First win as a married woman. Oh, is that right? Yeah. When did she get married? Uh, I think in <laughs> December, just before Christmas, but she's won three of the last four events. I reckon Lydia Coe makes the game look easier than anybody else oh, playing. I tell you, one of the best short games in the world. We might have to do a top five on that as well, Top by the five way. Short, short games in games. the history of the world? Definitely. Oh, the, can I look after that one next oh, week, please? Oh, there you go. Okay, yeah, we can do that. Yeah, okay. Absolutely. Right. But uh, Steph Kuriaku was our best Aussie, tied 50th, so, you know, Back of the field, but that's okay. She made the cut. Uh, DP World Tour, Thailand Classic, Thorburn Olison, who remember he had yeah. troubles on the airplane. Yes. <laughs> quite, quite, quite a while ago. We'll talk about that another time. Uh, Does he Aaron, fly privately <laughs> these days or what happens? Maybe, yeah, but he won that one. Uh, Aaron Pike, best Aussie, tied 46. Good. Uh, they had the Asian Tour, International Series in Qatar. Andy Ogletree won, interestingly yeah. enough, the uh, US Amateur Champion. So yes, well, he's been battling. Win. And Liv gave him a few starts, mm. which was really good. Yep. And it's very, very good to see him playing yeah, well. He's playing some good golf. Uh, best of the Aussies was Travis Smythe, finishing in seventh position. Right, yeah, that's good. And if you do well up there now, the Asian Tour, they have this international series. That gets you on to Liv. Yeah. So there's a lot of incentive for the guys up there. Also, I've got to mention on the Champions Tour, Bernard Langer, 45th win on the Champions Tour. Age 65, he shot his age or better twice in three rounds. 54-hole event. Shot 64, 70, 65. How good is that? It's just ridiculous. That's stunning. I remember last year when he turned 64 or 63, he must have turned 64, he actually shot 63 on the day Mm. on his birthday. I mean, it's just, it's ridiculous what this bloke's doing. He's a freak. He's a freak. Uh, but he's tied Hal Irwin for the most ever, uh, 45 wins. So the next one, he'll be the record holder. Yeah, so. just on that, uh, there's a bit of a history there. Uh, one of my favourite stories in the whole world of golf. This is Peter Thompson. Peter Thompson was 53 years old, as old as I am. Ah. He went and played a couple of tournaments when he was 52, and he heard in the locker room Peter Thompson was not that good. He heard it. <laughs> so he sharpened his tools up over summer, went back and... And played with a wooden club at 53 and won nine events in the year just to show him who's boss at the age of 53. Nine. One of my great, I love that story. It was nine. It was a world record at the time. It was a world record, but went back at 53, hadn't been playing much with the wooden clubs and cleaned everybody up. That's incredible. I love that story. No, he didn't name who said that in the locker room. Okay. Interesting. I'll endeavour um, to find out. Mm. Right. Uh, and then on the local front, obviously, you and I, we did the TV commentary over the weekend for the TPS Sydney event. David Michaluzzi put on an absolute clinic 
on the Sunday. He not was nine under for nine holes at Nine under point. for nine holes. You, so, don't, you don't often see that. No. And I, look, I know the golf course isn't the toughest in the whole world, but it's not a nine under and nine <laughs> holes course either. No. No and way in the world. And in the interview afterwards, he said, you know, my swing felt awful for yeah. the first eight holes. Yeah. And then he goes nine under the next nine. Shot a 61 to defeat, uh, who was it, Dean Lawson That's and it. Daniel Gale. And did it without an eight iron. And that was an eight-iron course. And he did it without an eight-iron. <laughs> That's right, eight 61. Iron. Who needs 14 clubs, uh, by, by the, the way? way uh, like we don't have the tour van uh, at the TPS events, <laughs> so he couldn't really get the new eight-iron no. done. But wouldn't you have gone into the loft and lie machine and just, you know, put an extra – taken two degrees off his nine-iron or something? <laughs> yeah, maybe. Just <laughs> That's to what I would have done. Yes, even so he would have had an eight-and-a-half-iron or something. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> Change right. the number, yeah. So, But uh, we saw a lot of different action over the weekend. And also, in that regard, Ryan Wu won the junior section because you have the juniors, yes. and then in the all abilities, Jeff Nicholas defeated Cameron Pollard. So just great on Ryan result. Wu, uh, we got the new How term, plum balling. Plum balling, yeah, yes. not, not plum bobbing, plum balling. Watch, <laughs> uh, look, it'll be going around this week on Foxtel. Uh, have a look uh, at the TPS City event. You're going to see Ryan Wu, and he plum balls his putts. Remarkable. Mm. Time for the masterclass. Well, we saw some amazing putting on the weekend from David Michaluzzi, but also uh, John Rahm at Riviera in the Genesis Invitational. One thing that I really noticed about his putting, hold the long bomb you spoke mm. earlier about, Mark, on 14. That never looked like missing. And through he held a, he made a good two-putt on 15. 16, hit a wonderful iron shot in there, made another birdie mm. putt there, just short one down the hill. But if you notice about his putting action, he has a very fast tempo, very fast tempo to the stroke. And what that means, tempo is all about the time it takes for once you take the putter head back, to when you hit the ball. So there's a tempo mm. in that regard. Slower tempos would be someone like, say, back in the day, Lauren Roberts, Ben Crenshaw. Ben Crenshaw, if yeah. you know, If you know your history there. On the women's side, uh, Inby Park has a slightly slower tempo, I'd say. On the men's side, uh, Patrick Cantlay, they're mm. on the slower sides. On the faster sides, it'd be someone like Charlie Hull on the LPGA Tour or uh, Brant Snedeker, yep. you know, very poppy type yep. style of stroke. So John Rahmer has a faster tempo, meaning his stroke's quite short and it's very quick. And the key to it is to try and match the backswing in the follow-through in the speed and the distance you take it back and through. That's the real key, to match both the backswing and the follow-through. If you take it back short and you go through long, that doesn't, doesn't work very work. well. Very no. bad for distance and control on the green. So if you work, if whatever your tempo is, whether it's fast or slow, just try and match the backswing and the follow-through. If, if you have a slower tempo, your stroke's going to be longer. A faster tempo, your stroke's going to be shorter. Very simple. All right, the video will be up on our socials. Good on you, Nick, and I'll see you next week. Cheers. That's been Nick O'Hearn and Mark Allen's brand-new podcast, Talk Birdie to Me. You can follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. And don't forget to send us a message or a comment. We always need your input in our tweets to the end of the segment, which ironically aren't always tweets. We might not have thought that through enough. Talk Birdie to Me's executive producer is Dan Bradley at Kaizen Media. Sound designed by Daryl Misson at loudzebra.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. 
Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Support comes from ServiceNow, the AI platform for business transformation. You've heard the hype around AI. The truth is, AI is only as powerful as the platform it's built into. ServiceNow is the platform that puts AI to work for people across your business, removing friction and frustration for your employees, supercharging productivity for your developers, providing intelligent tools for your service agents to make customers happier. All built into a single platform you can use right now. That's why the world works with ServiceNow. Visit servicenow.com slash AI for people to learn more.